Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 79 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. This is a very special episode. This is Adam, your host. And while I'm joined by Jill today, you're not my co-host. I am not your co-host. You're our special guest today. I am your special guest. And this isn't just us talking about a bunch of books. This is us talking about one book. This is a real interview because (laughs) you wrote a book. I did write a book. So as always, I'm going to let you start us off by telling everyone about your book. Sure. My book is called Running with a Police Escort, and it is a memoir about my experience as a slow runner in the back of the pack. First off, it's the best name for a book ever. Thank you. And I absolutely, I've obviously read it, and as we talked about numerous times before, I absolutely love it. It's so good. And I'm so glad you wrote a good book. <laughs> it was so weird if you were like, hey, I wrote a book. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's see. What motivated you to write this book? What kind of started everything off? Um, It's something I had been thinking about uh, for a while. I blog and I have a blog where I talk about my running and being slow and having come in last place and Mm -hmm. multiple um, small races. And so I just sort of been thinking about it. And it's kind of a funny story. Um, I am part of the storytelling uh, groups scene here in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd been at one of the events um, and a friend of mine was the featured storyteller and she was telling this story about yoga and she posed the question, um, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? Ooh. And like within the next couple of days I was submitting query letters to publishers and agents that's and amazing. one of them responded. That's okay. And <laughs> That first off, that's unbelievable. That's such a cool thing because I she gets an acknowledgement. Thanks, Alicia. <laughs> um, something that I really that I am a runner as well. We mm-hmm. talk about this all the time, and I have this like inferiority complex about running. At least I did for a really long time. Where yeah, I would go to races and do five Ks and all these different races, but I never felt like I was part of the running community. I don't know why I felt that way. It was just maybe early on, I was like, I don't have the right clothes, or I just mm-hmm. I didn't understand it. But following you on social media and you know, obviously being friends with you, you are like ingrained into that running world. So how did that get started for you? Like, how did you kind of become a part of it? Whether it was just finding the right hashtags to use, or like, at what point did you feel like you were in the running world? Um, that is an excellent question. Thanks. I just came up with it just now. (laughs) I don't know if I still feel part of the running world. I feel a part of the Cleveland running world. Yeah. Which I think is slightly different. Um, Sure. But like in the big general sense, I guess I sort of do. I mean, I, because of the blog, I've been blogging about healthy living and all this for several years and Mm -hmm. I sort of gotten entrenched in that and had attended conferences and there were a lot of runners there and so that is part of it yeah. um but back in 20 i think i applied in 2014 to be a 
ambassador for the Cleveland Marathon races for 2015 mm-hmm. and met the most amazing group of people um, as the fellow ambassadors. And I've been an ambassador for the Cleveland Marathon races since 2015. I don't run the marathon. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-six miles. I run miles. the half. I run the half marathon before, but yeah, you've not. Done, you've done the a marathon. couple, right? I've done three half marathons. Yeah, which is amazing, by the way. So, um, yeah, it just sort of yeah, I I kind of fell into it. Mm-hmm. Just uh, yeah, social media, using hashtags, reaching out to other runners, and replying and <laughs> all that stuff. So when you say, because again, this is something where I, for so long I I I was just like. Oh, I, I run, but I'm not a runner. But mm-hmm. you talked about these conferences. What were some of the conferences you went to, just in case people are interested? Because these are things that anyone can go to. So the one I um, have attended several times is Fitblogin, mm-hmm. which I'm not so sure about the 2017 conference, what the details are for that. But I have attended that in the past for several years. I presented on being a slow runner twice, once at the 20. 20- 15 conference I did a presentation um and then at the 2016 conference I led a small group session on being a slow runner and mm-hmm. so that's fit blogging I know friends who've attended blog her and there's so many blogging yeah. conferences out there and a lot of it is just <laughs> doing just doing a cursory google search and agreed then doing some especially research. if you have a like a niche blog like I do mm-hmm. um looking for conferences related to that so did you start the your kind of healthy living blog before you're actually running or did yes. they kind of coincide no, it, it was, was before it was before okay i probably had it about like a year before mm-hmm. would you okay so this is something and i it's in the book and it's early on in the book so i don't mm-hmm. want it so you can tell me you'd rather people have people read it but can you tell everyone why the name of your book is oh sure I, it's, I love it i think actually and you read an arc i think the final copy has pictures and i'm pretty sure there is a a picture of this is oh, there? i mean yeah yeah because it wasn't in my no arc. it's not in the arcs but uh oh this is the intro i don't mind telling people so i was gonna say i we one of the things about this interview is hilariously we didn't talk about what we were gonna talk about beforehand so I, you keep giving me these looks like what's he gonna ask me next <laughs> um so i had gotten into this like funk of having not run for a while and um i had come Back in the spring, I had I'd run uh, my second half marathon and had to walk the last four miles because my ankle tweaked partway mm-hmm. through and it was horrible, and I just like totally lost my mojo. And the uh, spin studio that I use for cross training here in Cleveland, Harness to Cycle, I gotta give the shout out. Well, yeah, I was gonna say if you want to give a shout out to a bunch of different Cleveland places, um, my sister goes to Harness like four times a week. Yeah, so, so I, I I did spinning at Harness, and they were having they they have this weekly run. Um, at the studio that I have never participated in, but they call it the Running the Bridges. Running the Bridges. I was going to say, I do that a few times a month with my brother-in-law. <laughs> oh, we're going to have so many Cleveland references and people are going to hate in this one. Um, so, because Cleveland is full of bridges, and so they sort of have this path where mm-hmm. they go over several of them because of where the studio is located within the city. It's a good, yep. like, three mile. Yeah. So they decided to have an actual run, uh, like a race, mm-hmm. um, for the Running the Bridges, and I signed up. So I was like, I like Harness, they're great. Maybe it'll get me out of my mojo a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it was in, it was like end of October, early November. And I showed up at the race dressed as Batman. So amazing. So There's good. There's also a picture of this in the book. You can find a picture of me dressed as Batman. Which wasn't in my arc, which is why I'm excited for my actual copy to arrive from Amazon, which it still hasn't. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Um, And so I decided to go as Batman because I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I have nothing to lose. <laughs> so good. 
I'm just going to show up as Batman with a cape and everything. Mm-hmm. I had superhero socks on. Like, I was just, like, I really did not care. And I got the weirdest looks from everybody, but I just didn't care. I was going to go yeah. out there. And I was going to go be Batman. And so we start running. I mean, I don't even remember how many people were there, but um, it was a couple hundred. And after a mile, it became very clear I was in last place mm-hmm. by a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Like, the people ahead of me were, like, half a mile ahead of me. Uh-huh. Um, and it's a Sunday morning in the fall. Nobody's out. Uh-huh. Cleveland is, like, all asleep. Yeah. They're not brunching quite yet. And so <laughs> I'm, like, running in my Batman costume. Because I haven't been running in several months, I'm running slower than usual, which is already pretty slow. And so I just have, like, literally the entire street all to myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> and because of... Um, it's a road race, and we're running on the road. Mm-hmm. They will send out a police car and to sort of mark the last place mm-hmm. so that people don't, like other cars don't try and come in, and also for all the guards and the um, uh, spectators or the uh, whatever, volunteers, mm-hmm. know who last place is. And so I'm running along with the police car directly behind me. <laughs> <laughs> and at one point... One of the volunteer um, policemen who's sort of guiding the way, uh, the course, he stops and he sees me and he goes, you must be a very important person to have a police escort. So good. (laughs) And he meant it completely sincerely. Um, And yeah, so I, you know, running along with a police escort. Mm -hmm. And so you talk about this all the time in the book about how you you finished in last place in a few races before. But something that I think is so awesome about this book, and sorry for giving you compliments like right to your face, but this is how this is going to be, and I'm sorry. Awkward. Yeah, I know. But you mention all the time that it's, you know, not about, like, you may have quote-unquote finished in last place in the race, but you beat everyone who didn't even sign up. Yes. And that is so motivating to me. Again, I'm a runner, and every time I would finish a chapter of your book, I was like, I want to go for a run. And that's something that I think people will take away from this is just, like, the motivation to realize that it doesn't matter how fast you run or how many push-ups or setups or things you can do if you want to be healthier compare yourself to yourself don't, right don't worry about other people around you yeah i say i think you know at least once a couple times that if you come in last place and i came in last place in my very first race mm-hmm. and um you know, all it means is that I was the slowest person to show up at the course that day. Right, exactly. That's it. Yeah. That's all it means. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody at the Olympics has to come in last place yeah. because you only have a certain amount of people running. Like, that's just sort of how it works. And mm-hmm. so a different race, a different day, I am not last. Yeah. And somebody else is. And another thing that you mentioned that I want to give people, like, a shot, because signing up for your first 5K it can be intimidating when you get there and yes. it can be exciting, but it can also be intimidating. So yes. as people in like, you know, they're running bibs and they've got, you know, their short shorts and everything is, it can be intimidating. So if people don't want to sign up for a run right away, you mentioned we have this place in Cleveland called Harness Cycle and mm-hmm. they have these amazing runs. Um, actually, right before Christmas, I did one with my brother-in-law with that running group that you mentioned. I was called the Candy Cane Run. Yep. And we just ran around downtown Cleveland, and we handed out candy canes. Oh, I saw the picture of that. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. We literally just went up to people who were hanging out in Public Square in Cleveland and were like, hey, Merry Christmas, have a candy cane. And some people gave us weird looks like uh, candy from strangers. <laughs> but a lot of people just took them and said Merry Christmas. And so I think something that you can take away, like you talk in the book about all the races you've ran, but... If you want to join a running group, same thing. Just do, like, a cursory Google search. Yeah, I think um, 
it we are very lucky living where we do yes we have a lot of races we have a very strong running community here in cleveland not everyone is as lucky Mm -hmm. so there yes check your local running stores if they have any um Mm -hmm. running groups there's also virtual races which are a thing as well yeah you don't know about virtual Wait, races? virtual races? Maybe I do, I just don't know what the name is. Sorry, continue, keep coming. <laughs> like, give you a weird look, I know. Go ahead. Adam. I'm sorry. Um, a virtual race is basically one that you can run anytime, anywhere, wherever you want. Yeah, so okay, you... Okay, I didn't know about Oh, yeah, this. they're online. Um, somebody hosts one. I've done it before through my blog several years ago. It's, like a, it's usually for fundraising efforts. Mm-hmm. And you um, sign up and... Um, it's whatever the distance is, three miles, five miles, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can do it anywhere you want. Do it on the treadmill. Do it in your neighborhood. Usually, they will then send you bling. Oh, my God. Yeah. I knew nothing about oh, this. Oh, yeah. It's totally a thing. Yeah. Is this in your book? This is in I your don't book, mention right? virtual. Okay. I don't think I talk about virtual races. I was going to say. I was like, I wait a minute. No, no, no. This is not a thing I've done. I, I mean, I'm aware of them. Yeah. And, like, I've hosted one, but I didn't talk about that. But, um, yeah, it's a... That's it's a thing cool. for all those runners. So I know a lot of people who live in areas that don't have a strong running and racing community. Mm-hmm. They they do a lot of virtual runs. That's amazing. Yeah, so you can look for virtual runs. And yeah. Huh. I, well, I'm going to look this up because I go running all the time. There are some Harry Potter ones. All right. Well, that's just amazing. The I Hogwarts just... Running Club is, is the big one. The Hogwarts Running Club. Oh, my God. Oh, wait. That's not true. I did do one virtual run. I totally forgot about this. It was for uh, it was a Doctor Who. It was around the same time as the 50th anniversary episode. Um, it was a half marathon. I counted my first marathon. I was just like, it totally counts. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I to- sort of got double bling for that that's one. That's amazing. Um, okay. Something normally... We ask authors, what was your research process like? This was obviously your story. So right. the research part, kind of minimum, I would assume, other than like going back. There was back a little and... bit. Um, there's some historical stuff in there or stuff I didn't know about. That's like true. when I talk about the Akron Marathon, I did a little bit of research on the Akron Marathon. Mm-hmm. I talk about my first race was at the Cleveland Zoo. So I, yeah. I talk about the history of the Cleveland mm-hmm. Zoo. So was that something that you were like, well, I'm writing about this particular run I should give some background or did you kind of always know you wanted to add those things in there um I sort of always knew I wanted to add those things in there Mm -hmm. so I was just finding the information without it being I think my editor cut some of it (laughs) that's their job she's like doesn't really have much to do with your story I was like fine (laughs) do you know okay we've asked this before too do you know how many words were cut from your story no I don't know okay I don't remember it was over 80,000 there weren't a whole lot. Okay. It wasn't a whole lot. Those people that tell us they've had like 70,000 words covered. No, from their I didn't stories. have that many. Make me want to cry. Um, we had an email actually come earlier this week asking us to ask authors about their transition from their current jobs to becoming a full-time writer. You obviously still have a full-time job. That I love. That you love. Oh, man. If you have, if you ever become super famous and are just a writer and I have to do this by myself, it would be so sad. <laughs> but... For people who are trying to maybe write their first book and think, I don't have any time, what was your writing process like? Maybe just explain how you actually got these words on the paper. <laughs> I got lucky it was calf season. So <laughs> I... It was like calf season plus calves postseason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think my book was due like just days after they won um, or right before. And so I literally would just sit on the couch and watch the calves and 
Right. So, did <laughs> so you, for those who aren't Cavs fans, yeah, a lot of it is just you just have to find the time. I would sometimes write on my lunch break here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I'd get home at night on the weekends. I would try and write more than uh, <laughs> necessary to kind of make up for yeah. what I didn't do over the week. Well, and obviously you had a deadline, but did you give yourself like a word count every night? I or? did. I, I had a very detailed Excel spreadsheet. You're very you're a very detailed oriented <laughs> person. I I knew what my deadline was. I knew what my word count was. Um and I broke it down by day, by week, then with like benchmarkers. <laughs> like I should be at ten thousand words by this day, I should be at twenty thousand words by this week, mm-hmm. and I would just fill it out. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna bounce all around here, but your book comes out the day after this podcast goes up. So this will be up Monday. Correct. January 2nd. Happy New Year, everyone. Should have started off. It's 2017. Should have started off. Thank God. Should have started the podcast off with Happy New Year. That's okay. Um, the book will come out the third. You're going to do some traveling, correct, for the book? Um, no, I'm mostly staying here in the area. Mostly staying here? Okay. At least for now. Well, just so we know, obviously we tell most people to borrow books, but if they want to find your book, where can they find it? They can find it on Amazon, Barnes Noble. They can probably go to their Barnes Noble bookstore and mm-hmm. find it. Check your library. There you go. If you don't have it, recommend it. Uh huh. And for you, was there? This is unique because it's a memoir, and Correct. we ask people all the time about their inspiration for books. But did did you feel yourself writing like anyone that you read? Um, <laughs> don't say Stephen King. No. I- <laughs> That would be awkward. Um, I, I, yeah, I think I had read one. One of the challenges of this one was that my editor was like, "I really want you to be authentic in this book and like your voice," and mm-hmm. that was really challenging for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if I necessarily wrote like them, but I read a lot of memoirs by women that I look up to, mm-hmm. um, like Lindy West, uh, Catelyn Moran. Um, uh, Roxane Gay, mm-hmm. uh, Nadia Boltzweber, and like I read their books because they were like these are books I read. I'm like, oh, this totally seems like that's what they're really like in real life. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I sort of looked to those for inspiration. Well, and I can say it felt very authentic. It Thank you. I, I could feel you saying the things that you say in there. Yeah. So. Um, let's go through some of the questions that we always ask. Sure. It's only okay. fair that we ask them. So. Obviously, you work at Overdrive. I do. But you also, for people who might not be aware, you have a librarian background. I do. So how about you tell us a little bit about that? Okay. I've been working in public libraries uh, since I was in high school. Uh I started as a page at the Hudson Library and Historical Society here in in Hudson, Ohio. Amazing. (laughs) And then um, went to grad school, worked in a prison, which I've talked about before. Yeah. It was my first... Which John. is amazing, by yeah. the way. Still... Then worked at a small college and then came here. How close? And you worked you worked in a male prison. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> how inaccurate is Orange is the New Black's library situation? Oh, their library is way nicer than mine was. <laughs> way nicer. Um, do you <laughs> That's remember, the like, only thing I, I like. I'm like, that is a really nice library. Um, and I know you've talked about it in the past, how you had to like restrict content here and there. But do you remember how many books were in your... I'm just curious how many books were in your prison library um we had a couple thousand well maybe we had like a thousand mm-hmm. maybe two wow that is not that many books man 
It's been a while. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. I should know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then because we ask this all the time and we never really talk about our own, growing up, who were the, what were the books that you read that inspired you to want to become a librarian and a writer? When I was in uh, grade school, my absolute favorite book was um, Daphne's book by Mary Downing Hahn uh-huh. about, <laughs> about like this girl, uh, of course, her name is escaping me because I did not prepare for this interview. Hey, that's what neither of us did. We um, just knew that we were going to talk for a while. So anyway, she uh, she is like a writer like me and was very shy and introverted and then has to do this group project with Daphne, who's like the outcast. And mm-hmm. um, I just super um, w- connected with her as a character. And mm-hmm. I'm like, we seem like the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a big Anne Rinaldi fan of historical fiction. Mm-hmm. My love for Anne Rinaldi turns into a love for Gone with the Wind. <laughs> <laughs> Which you definitely you do love. Uh, I own seven copies. That's okay. Book. <laughs> we need to talk about this. We need to break this down. What separates... They're all different editions. <laughs> okay. So what is the... Other than like the covers, what is different about the editions? That's it. Just the covers? Just the covers. Do you have them in like a specific place in your, in your apartment, in your house, apartment, house? House. In your living quarters? <laughs> They're on my nerd shelf. Which is, can you talk about your nerd shelf? Because I love it so much. So I have a nerd shelf uh-huh. in, in my home office. The mm-hmm. first top, the top of the bookshelf is all my Alice in Wonderland stuff. The middle stuff is all my Doctor Who stuff. And then the bottom shelf is, I have like the seven copies of Gone with the Wind. And then I have this figuring um, statue music box thing of Belle Watling, who's my favorite character. Wait, so does Harry Potter have a separate place in your house? Harry Potter's a separate place in my house. Because I know you have like a... I do have a Harry Potter shelf as well. Yeah. Um, So do you have Gone with... Are the the statues, are they Funkos for your Gone with the Wind? No. Not the Gone with the Wind. The the Doctor Who all are. Mm -hmm. Um, I have one Alice. Um, That's... And then that I have a Snape and a Sirius. Yeah. Which, by the way, I have a bone to pick with you. The amount of... My wife has since discovered Funko tangentially through you because I talk about yours and now... We have spent so much money on Funkos, so that's your fault. I got two more for Christmas. What'd you get? Doctor Who. The 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 Dalek. Um, and then <laughs> you have to watch the show to understand it. But okay. uh, the the uh, and the pose, which is like this little baby fat mm-hmm. Amazing. <laughs> white character. Uh, by the way, I would imagine uh, the cross section of people that watch Doctor Who and listen to this podcast probably I would hope overlap pretty I would easily but every single birthday coming up now my wife was like I should find them a Funko and I'm like you it's probably much. can yeah so, um all right hang on we gotta do something really really important we gotta do this nerd nine. Oh, okay are you afraid we're gonna like forget if we don't I yeah know? I just want to I just want to do this now because I it's <laughs> okay it's something that we do every single time all right what's the last book you finished a Scott in the dark by Sarah McLean what's your favorite place to read um, my couch. What's your guilty pleasure? I watch really trashy reality shows. Be more specific. I was watching Real Housewives of Orange County last night. That's okay. <laughs> uh, what's one place you want to travel that you haven't yet been to? Uh, Australia. Ooh. Do you have a specific place in Australia? I'm, no. Yeah. I, I don't know enough about Australia either. Um, favorite holiday? Halloween. Favorite movie? You know this is one of the questions in there, and you, you rolled your eyes at me. Uh, I I think I have to say Sense and Sensibility, the Emma Thompson version with Alan Rickman. 
Cats or dogs? Cats! <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite food? Uh, anything Mexican. And then if you could pick one person, alive or dead, to have dinner with, who would you choose? I think you probably know what my answer is, but you're wrong. Oh, it's not Stephen <laughs> King? It's not Stephen King. Who is it? Dan Bolin. Oh, that's a really good one. I wouldn't be able to answer half these questions, by the way. I say this all the time. But like, Let's hope you never write a book then, Adam. Whoa. Yeah, that's actually fair. <laughs> I, I can tell you unequivocally that I probably never will. That's like a children's book. And even that I'll need someone's help with because I I get too like all over the map. Oh, actually, this is a good question. And I know that you said that you're really, uh, like we talked about, you're detail-oriented. But how did you kind of stay on task? Did you plan out everything you were going to write about in your book ahead of time? Did you have like a plan for the whole thing or did you just know I want to hit these few bullet points? So, um, I thought I had a plan. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I had queried all after my friend Alicia asked that question, you know, what would you do if you couldn't, uh, if you knew you would not fail and I queried a bunch of them and then, um, by a queer letter, I literally mean, Hey, I wrote this blog and I have this idea for a book. That Mm -hmm. was pretty much it. Maybe a little more eloquent than that. (laughs) And um, my publisher, uh, editor, she wrote back and she's like, I really like this idea, but I need a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I need you to write up a proposal. <laughs> so I had to write up a big um, uh, proposal, which mm-hmm. meant I had to do research on what they look like. And yeah. um, the thing about nonfiction is they're usually sold on proposals. Fiction, you usually have to write first mm-hmm. and then shop it. Um, nonfiction usually works opposite where you don't necessarily shop it first. You send the idea. Do you think there's a specific reason for that from a publishing standpoint? This, I'm just I curious have no now. idea. Yeah. I'm sure there's a reason. Yeah. But, um, so I wrote up, you know, this proposal and I had to have a chapter outline. So mm-hmm. I just sort of forced myself to put things in order and organize and, um, send it off and they accepted it and I started working and I kind of started working from, the proposal but things sort of changed along the way and i didn't really know what i was doing mm-hmm. um <laughs> kind of made it i did not write linearly linear oh my god that linear, word linear i did not write in order <laughs> okay so i, I kind of bounced around yeah that that's good to know this is i think this is good stuff because we do have a lot of people that ask us like how did you become a writer so how long was the proposal? Do you remember, like, how many words? It was words probably, or? oh, it was, like, ten pages. I had, I mean, the proposals, I was, um, like, I had to come up with, again, the chapter outline, sample chapter, um, market analysis, so sort of what other wow. titles are on the market, not necessarily for comparison purposes, but to show that there actually is a market for this book. Okay. But also in what ways my book is different, which is why there's a market for my book. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, that I had to come up with sort of a a pitch, Mm -hmm. you know, like what's it about? The synopsis. Yeah. That's the word, synopsis. Yep, that works. Um, It was about 10 pages, I think. Okay. When I sent it off. And then when you were pitching, um, obviously, again, same thing. I'm assuming you just kind of did an internet search for specific yep. uh, publishers and things like that. And so did you, because you knew you were going to write a memoir, did you just look for, like, nonfiction publishers that tend to publish memoirs? Or, yes. And then you just kind of scattershot, I'm going to yes. send them all. Yeah, that's okay. That's what, Pretty I much. I, I think this is really good stuff for people who, you know, because we obviously have a day job. and Right. You. So the publishing world works 
kind of differently. You know, there's different ways you can take the big five publishers, you know, like your Penguin Random Houses, don't take unsolicited manuscripts from agents. Mm-hmm. So um, you have to have someone representing you go to the big five publishers and some of the other not big five, but the big publishers mm-hmm. and say, here's his book. Do you want it? Then there are the smaller presses like mine um, who will take unsolicited manuscripts and writers can go directly to them, mm-hmm. which is what I did. So when I was sending query letters, I was sending them both to agents and to the small published houses. Um, and again, just Google searching um, for like nonfiction or for memoirs, or I would look at books that were sort of in the same vein as mine and, and be like, like who, who published, published them? it? Yeah. And I would, I would contact those publishers. Mm-hmm. And so getting back to your book, and we can edit this and remove it if you want, but at the end of your book, something happened. <laughs> oh my God, that's right. I totally forgot. I was going to say, if our listeners have been listening for a long time, mm-hmm. like since at least summer, yeah, they know I missed a couple <laughs> yes, of you did. weeks of work and they'll find out why. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at we, least partly. we can leave it at that as well. Um, so, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good place for that part to, to be left off. So for people who are trying to, you know, this is a perfect time for people to read your book because New Year's resolutions, a lot of times people want to get in shape for the New Year's, and I'm sure that was you and your publisher talking like, hey, this would be a perfect time to release this. That is why it's getting released right. on this time, yes. Yeah. So I think, every, I, like I said, I think everyone should read it because you wrote it, and I think it's fantastic, but um, what would you say to people who don't think they can stick with a New Year's resolution to get in shape and like what advice would you give people to be able to kind of stick with it because a lot of people will try to get in shape and then by like the middle of January they're like oh this is too hard it's like what would you tell them as someone who is wrote a book about this um I would say just keep trying Mm -hmm. I think I'm not (laughs) I'm not gonna say that thing where like if anyone can do it, I can do it. Yeah. That's not always true. Right. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Not everyone likes running. Yeah. <laughs> so if you try it and you decide you hate it, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But I think um, if it's something you want to do, don't necessarily think of it as a New Year's resolution because I think that kind of sets you up for failure. Yeah. Because um, if, you know, it, it comes to February and you haven't gone on a run in three months and you or three weeks and you just kind of want to quit. Um. I've gone weeks and months without running for a variety of reasons, yeah. and I always come back to it. So mm-hmm. I think it's just a matter of just just keep running, yeah, like Dory. But just uh, <laughs> and we should say it's not surface. Yeah, just keep running. And we should say it's not just running. Like it's you said, there's cycling, yeah. there's swimming. There's, there's... lots. I think sometimes, um, you know, my <laughs> we have CrossFit classes here. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, I should try that. And then I'm like, I would hate that. And yeah. I just don't want to. And that's okay. Because mm-hmm. I do that same stuff with other things. I practice yoga. I do spinning. Mm-hmm. There are lots of um, different avenues you can take. You know, yeah. if you don't like one, try something else. If it's something you really want to do. Mm-hmm. And then, again, I absolutely love it. It motivated me. I, I am a runner and it motivated me to want to You're like a hardcore and... runner. Like, he's... All right. More than I am. I'm that's all right. I'm not a hardcore runner. I just enjoy running in extreme circumstances. I like running in the cold. See? I'm weird, I know. But um what do you hope people take away from reading this book? I 
hope they would take away the idea that you don't have to be perfect at something to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite um, George Burns quotes is, I would rather be a failure at something I love than a success at something I hate. Oh, that is so good. I feel like we should end there, and I don't want to. I want to keep asking you questions. Tell you what, we'll remove all this if you don't like any of it. We don't... I'm just going to say, because that like, was a good entire No, I didn't, because we can. I'll cut that out and say that was really well put. I'm just going to keep going. We're just going to power through this. We'll okay. see what happens. Um, are you allowed to talk about what you want to work on next? Oh, yeah. I don't have anything in sentence down yet. Okay. Well, then, see, it's a good thing that we just kept talking about this. Um, is there anything else you would like to tell people, whether it's about New Year's or your book or anything in general that you would like to share? Tell your libraries to buy my book. Yes, I agree. I mean, I'm I'll tell sorry. You. I'll t- and again, I am not just saying this as your co-host and your friend and your co-worker. <laughs> the, your book is awesome. It's so inspiring. It For people who run every day like I do or people who have never done more than walk from their couch to the refrigerator, read this book. It's a, such an amazing inspiration to want to go out and be active and... I couldn't be more proud of you. Thank so, you. I'm sorry for awkwardly no, giving you compliments the whole time, okay. but I think you're spectacular, and I can't wait for everyone to read this. So, All right, well, I hope everyone enjoyed this. I'm going to let you sign us off and say goodbye because it's your book, so I'm going to shut up and say, let you say goodbye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.